Welcome to another Direct Connect here with Archer, where we uh, figure out the content on the fly. In all seriousness, uh, today we're going to talk about internal controls. Um, a lot of a lot of conversations in the industry, uh, more so in the last two three years than than previous. Leonard, um, what do you, you you first from uh, internal controls? Where have you been spending your time? What are you seeing in the industry? Um, sure, thanks, Mark. Um... Good morning all or good afternoon whatever time or good evening depending on when you're watching this um so yeah uh, internal controls are uh something that uh, we've been encountering a lot with our clients um probably the question i get asked the most about internal controls is um are they required how are they being audited um and you know there's been some confusion back and forth uh, insofar as uh, required internal controls programs over the years. Currently, um, the answer is no, they're not required. Um, I've not heard of any findings related to internal controls, uh, specific to the controls themselves, right? But obviously, a failure to implement some form of internal controls could, could lead to compliance issues. Stacy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think one of the big challenges I see utilities have right now is that uh, they're, they're being told to go uh, show us your internal controls, but there's no real framework in our industry in order for them to um, use some kind of uh, uh, a baseline in order to uh, know that they're on target at all. So I think what utilities often are doing are, are reacting to an upcoming audit where the auditors are sending them out a survey or a form and saying, hey, tell us what all your internal controls are, and they're scrambling. And uh, that's uh, quite common. Of course, there are the exceptions. There are some utilities that have spent a lot of money and a lot of time on building a real internal controls program, so they're more ready. But uh, I think that's our biggest challenge: is is how do we how do we uh, educate uh, the the utilities on what they need to do? Well, what is an internal control? What does that look like? Um, is it just a repeat of the SIP standards or the OMP standards, and just say, okay, this thing we're doing? That's an internal control. Um, I've heard it all, you know, in the different regions. Each region seems to have a different idea of what they expect out of the utilities. So um, that's going to be something we have to help uh, uh, everyone overcome. Stacey, you mentioned something about uh, maybe those organizations that are more mature. Are you seeing um, those those folks use uh, automation in in tracking and, and documenting and cataloging cataloging their internal controls, or is it uh, you know, widely manual. I've seen it both ways. Uh, I've seen um, uh, utilities uh, prop maybe on their second uh, go at uh, um, implementing their uh, internal controls where they started off like, let's go buy this tool and let's automate everything right now. We have this process and we'll automate it on the fly. Um, that doesn't tend to work very well. Uh, what the real mature ones have done is spent time building the process and identifying those control points along the way, and then maturing the implementation of that process with those controls in place. Therefore, now they have a good process, they have good controls, they've been able to work out all the issues, and then they can go automate. Um, automation is obviously the goal where it makes sense, because uh, humans tend to 
to be error prone. Uh, so that that's kind of where I, I I see the mature ones have done that. So you've had these uh, um, the real mature ones took the step back and take took that time to write those processes and identify them. Um, there are mature ones that are on their second go around where they made that mistake. So uh, I think uh, those that haven't uh, embarked on that uh, that journey. They should take some lessons about uh, um, trying to automate too soon. Take your time, write it down, build process flows, swim lanes. I love swim lanes and identify the control points. Really think about those preventative, detective, corrective type of controls and where they fit into the process. And don't just make them up. Uh, Those that are uh, uh, mature have spent the time uh, really looking at it from an effective and efficiency perspective not just have controls in order to show your auditors, make controls that work for you that, um, that, that make the system, the process error prone. That's, that's the goal here. We're trying to avoid um, errors, uh, mistakes. Uh, we want to make sure that these controls are leading to whatever that objective is. Excellent comments there, Stacy. If I can uh, ping off a couple of things you, you said. Um, yeah, kind of uh, this concept of, of utility scrambling to put something together when the auditors are coming, they want to see internal controls. Okay, well, what do we have? And, you know, again, almost anything can be presented in the form of sounding like a control, right? And and oftentimes, um, uh, you know, evidence that's presented as controls isn't really technically a control. Um, you know, it's more, you know, a, a policy, you know, thou shalt do xyz where xyz is whatever language the requirement is right so is is that truly a control you know when you think of the types of controls you you're preventative detective corrective um also looking at it from a different lens you know procedural versus technical controls um you know certainly both are, are valid approaches depending on the type of action you're trying to ensure happens because at, at the core of controls internal controls that's that's what it is right so you you have a requirement to do something and the control is this um you know power influence that ensures that that thing happens um hopefully in the manner and time frame you know in which you you expect right um <clears throat> But, you know, from an automation perspective, like you were talking about, you know, I think uh, technical controls are kind of the ones, you, you know, where some technical thing has to happen, uh, probably, you know, maybe within a, a period of time, you know, automating those type of controls, I think definitely makes sense. It's where you get into the more um, requirements that are more uh, less about, you know, technical areas more procedural based. Those are the ones that are, are much more difficult to automate in my experience. And I think that's where it gets to me where, where we're really challenged as an industry of, of, you know, every utility go make it up yourself. Um, every utility is definitely going to have some snowflake comp- um, issues that they have to address, but there should be a framework of a set of object- objectives that the industry is trying to achieve. And if it's based on the standards, the reliability standards, OMP and SIP, then uh, I would I would suggest that the industry needs to establish those. And, you know, I think it needs to come from the ERO uh, where they establish those high level objectives. Um, so 
the utilities can go build their programs based on that. And that's the other thing. We keep on bringing up the word program. Um, a program isn't just a, um, a, a survey or a form or a spreadsheet that lists a bunch of controls and what type they are. It's, it's a actual program that builds these answers to the things that you were just saying, Leonard, um, about, uh, you know, what type of controls do we need? Uh, um, how do we manage those controls? What are the frequencies um, that we're going to test these? Uh, um, what is the methods by which we test them? Um, which department is going to be responsible for these? The roles and responsibilities established with those. So, um, you know, when they say they're looking, they being um, our regulators, uh, they want an internal controls program. The program is that umbrella that sets the stage for your organization. The controls are what meet the objectives, uh, what type of activities that have to happen in order to avoid those errors and omissions and, and other issues that you might have. Um, and uh, that has to be based on some set of, of criteria, framework, and, and, and the industry doesn't have one. I guess I'm being very critical of the industry right now, but it's true. Um, and, you know, we get to see so many different utilities out there, and we're just seeing them struggle on this. And we struggle because we're usually brought in for audit prep uh, for a mock audit. And we're seeing that struggle in it. And it's, and it's difficult for us to say, okay, here's the answer to the test. Uh, because we don't have that internal knowledge of your organization enough, unless we really build the internal controls program for you, which we do, we can do that for you. Love to do that for you. Um, but, uh, the, the industry just doesn't have that framework and, and everybody has an idea where to go. All the regions have an idea where they want to go. And the ERO is kind of silent on it. And um, the consultants out there, the ones that are trying to help everyone, uh, tend to go back to the, the drawing board, which could be, let's go to COSO, which is a financial framework. That might not fit. I don't think it does. Um, but anyway, that, that's, that's kind of the problem that's set out there. And, uh, you know, um, <laughs> I wish everyone luck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you think uh i i you know from my seat uh stacy and leonard what i've seen is folks are quick to point to the cataloging of their controls and label that their program yeah and and i think that's what i was hearing you say stacy a little bit there is that's you're seeing folks are even you know starting to struggle a little bit and put put a catalog of their uh controls together and then they've put that out and say, here's our program. Right. And, and the catalog is definitely part of a program. I think that's essential. Yeah. Um, but their catalog is usually um, inspired by a audit <laughs> where there is a regional entity providing them a form or, or a spreadsheet to fill out. And uh, that then gets lost, you know, if you don't have another audit for three or six years, um, how are you managing that? Well, that's even, even when you look at, you know, Anything you do in an organization, process, procedures, controls, you know, do you have a do you have a, a an organization that is centered around continuous improvement? Are you reviewing them? Have you labeled, listed, you know, how often you review them? Do you review them? You mentioned earlier testing. Who's testing them? Which department? Which people? Uh, what about the education of the employees? Even for those organizations that you've seen uh, good, great control programs in place. You know, what does that look like as they're educating their employees? 
I'll suggest that uh, until we figure out what the industry wants, it's hard to train anyone on anything. But uh, uh, obviously, if you have built an internal controls program, um, you have to educate. You have to, you have to um, I hate to say train because uh, somebody I, I know says you train monkeys, but you educate people. Uh, you definitely need to educate them on what they need to do. And that's not a one-stop shop. It's not a PowerPoint presentation. That's an right. ongoing program in and of itself, which I would say is part of your internal controls program. That's a, that's a good point. You know, I think training is, is oftentimes a, the solution to a lot of um, instances of non-compliance that are found. You know, they, they don't really think through, you know, what is the, the, the core problem here and kind of um look at trending and you know as far as you know if this keeps happening you know or the possibility of it recurring again you know what else can we do differently what controls can we put in place internally to ensure that you know we meet compliance in the future um again that goes right to you know what we're talking about here so the idea of training more in this regard uh, for internal controls, um, yeah, I, I, I like your comment there, Stacy. Uh, educate <laughs> rather than train, so to speak. But yeah. but it, it brings me to kind of one of my conundrums that that I've been thinking through. You know, as far as these internal controls and looking at at uh, situations that uh, you know utilities struggle with a lot, and that's you know ensuring that these procedures are followed. You know, so. In that vein, I mean, do procedural controls actually work? You know, what's to stop that human factor from failing? Oh, well, if I don't implement the procedure, it doesn't matter what the procedure requires, right? That control has failed. How often have we seen uh, procedures, Leonard, that are written but put on a shelf? Nobody follows exactly. them. The procedure even says for reference point purposes only. That kind of defeats the whole concept of controls, right? Uh, a controlled process, which can be embedded in a procedure, has to be followed step by step. Right. And 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 even that is an issue, right? And when you have a checklist, you know, okay, well, that, that's intended to ensure your procedure happens the same time every time. But if there's no other, you know, control aspects in play, um, how do you ensure that procedure was followed? You know, they just, just because everything's checked and signed and dated does not mean that the procedure was was actually followed. So, you know, is that something that ends up being, you know, an expectation of additional performance evidence that's generated throughout the execution of the process? Or is it truly some other, you know, type of control that needs to be built into the procedure? For instance, separation of duties, peer checks, you know, other things that kind of combat that tendency to have that human failure element. You know, one thing I always think about if, if, if the one of the best things that can happen with your overall regulatory compliance program is internal controls, why isn't that a something that FERC is ordered to be done and be embedded in, in into the standards? I, I find it crazy to say on the side, oh, by the way, we want you to do internal controls, but really there's no legal obligation to do so. I don't believe. Is there? I don't think so. No, not that I'm aware of, no. <laughs> that might be the the reason why we're all struggling, right? <laughs> is uh, because they, there is no thought beyond the fact that internal controls are important. Now, if we, we all say they're important, then let's build a framework for our industry 
that that works in the context of the requirements and the standards that we have in front of us. And then let's build a a set of objectives that every utility can work from. And then you have a common set of controls that you might be able to pick and choose from. Kind of an, an industry controls catalog, then I guess is kind of where you're going with that, Stacey. Yeah, at least a base, yeah. right? Um, here's our base and here's the, and that's what COSO does, right? COSO has a framework for controls for the financial industry. Uh, and the, those controls are, you can pick and choose or you can add to, but at least there's a base and there's a framework around it. And there's objectives that you're trying to meet for every type of financial transaction, uh, which is really focused on fraud and, and such, but, you know, bring that to cybersecurity or bring it to operational excellence. Uh, those are areas where you can build the same kind of framework. Um, it does take time. It takes thought. Um, if you're doing it industry-wide, it probably needs to be done by a, a third party that is uh, um, not affiliated with, with uh, a utility. So there's no preferences there. But, you know, that's what the ERO is supposed to be. And, uh, again, I'm picking on the ERO. But they're the ones that are out there pushing internal controls and, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, pushing the regional entities to do them. And, and uh, I feel bad for utilities right now. It, I think it's, it's, it's a, it's a monstrous burden come on at time when you don't have a, a real obligation to do so. And this is kind of a backhanded way of getting people to build internal controls. And if I were, I guess, a CEO of a, a midsize utility with some legal backing, I would be uh, all over uh, uh, Nurk and FERC for why are you making me do this? And I get it. It's probably got good business value, but, you know, tell me what you really want. You know, that's interesting, but barring, um, barring any movement or change from ERO, FERC or otherwise, we talked a little bit about what some clients are doing today. Where would you tell folks, where would you tell clients to really focus um, their time and energy around controls? If you, if you had, oh, I don't know, Two more minutes left in the day today uh, on this recording uh, to tell them, hey, this is really where you should be focusing. I think the first focus is to get your yourself, your team, uh, your company knowledgeable about what internal controls really are. Uh, spend some time really learning that what that means. Um, I, I've heard so many different definitions and explanations out there. It's it's it's. Uh, um, I, I, and those are tend to come from the regional entities, right? I, I've seen their PowerPoint presentations. I've seen the different uh, uh, courses and and uh, responses to to utilities uh, about what is an internal control, what does a program look like. They're all different, but um, go back to the basics. I, I, I know the financial industry is very very mature in this space. Um, learn what they're doing. Uh, Teach yourself, teach your team, teach your um, organization. I think that's where you need to be right now. Yeah, excellent point, Stacey. Um, I, from my perspective, again, you know, I think internal controls, regardless of whether they're um, explicitly required or not at some future point, I think, you know, they're still highly encouraged as a, a means of, um, you know, potentially avoiding findings related to non-compliance with, with the actual requirements, right? And as you're, you're implementing controls, I think uh, performance evidence that um, is captured as part of that control happening isn't just 
you know, busy work to demonstrate internal controls, I think that also applies to demonstrating you're being compliant, right? So uh, as you're implementing controls, I think look for opportunities to um, improve the, the quality of the evidence that's being captured of, of your performance of, um, you know, being, being in compliance. Um, I think uh, that'll pay dividends, you know, down the road uh, at audit time, you know, potentially, um, you know, demonstrating uh, compliance where otherwise there might have not been, um, you know, an opportunity to, to pass the test, if you will. Yeah, Leonard, I think that's a great point. Um, you know, uh, uh, despite my negativity about the controls, uh, it's definitely a positive thing. I mean, you really need to do them. Um, and, and, and there's business value to do so. You can uh, definitely make your, your organization stand out in a positive way. Um, and opportunities for growth within your, your entire organization is possible with good internal controls. Instead of spending time fighting fires, you're now spending time improving your processes and efficiency and effectiveness. And, and that's what you want to do from a business perspective. You don't want to spend all your time doing self-reports, um, you know, dealing with, with, with issues regarding failures or, or you know, possible failures. Uh, so that, that's the value of doing these. I am big on internal controls, but I'm big on doing them right. And, uh, um, and spending the time and, and they do cost. There's no doubt about it. There is a upfront cost, um, but the back end is an enormous amount of savings and um, enormous amount of uh, good business value. Well, Leonard, Stacy, thank you guys very much for uh, joining us on Direct Connect here at Archer. Appreciate your time and uh, look forward to the next topics. I've done it. I had another three hours prepared. <laughs> you, you keep right on talking and we'll see who stays tuned in. Gentlemen, thank you. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. Not only is Direct Connect available to listen to, you can also watch each episode on our YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Archer News Network. If you're interested in who we are and what we do, head on over to our website at archerint.com. That's archerint.com. You can also follow us on our social media platforms, Archer International on Facebook, Archer Energy Solutions LLC on LinkedIn, at Archer underscore INTL on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and check back every other week for brand new episodes.